2: now
4: evening everyone and welcome back to another episode of friday night Livestream. i hope you guys are having a lovely day hope you had a chance to catch president trump live in north carolina is the stream working no stream on rumble is not working let me fix that real quick Okay, if you're on Rumble, Rumble should be working in just a second. For some reason, the stream key was incorrect. I see it's connecting, and it should be connected now. Do me a favor. If you can hear me out there, if anybody out there can go to Rumble and just let the viewers there know that they may need to refresh their screens. I'll put it in the chat. All right, you know from the card, my good friend Dr. Juliette Engel is here. We're going to be discussing her book and, of course, her life, but Angels Over Moscow, talking specifically about human trafficking, the network that she exposed, and, of course, the work that is still being done today to try to expose human trafficking networks all over the world. Do me a favor, sit back, relax, and grab your popcorn, because we're going to be right back after this. All right. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Please do me a favor. Don't forget to like and share the broadcast. Help us by getting it out there on your favorite social media platform. And please join me in welcoming our guest once again this evening, Dr. Juliet Engel. Dr. Engel, how are you tonight?
5: I'm fine, Zach. It's always nice to talk with you, speak with
4: you. It's uh, It's my pleasure to be able to have you back. It's been almost exactly... Two years. The last time you were on was very shortly after I got deleted from YouTube. Yeah, and then, the same
5: day. Yeah,
4: yeah. Then the day I got deleted from Twitter. So, uh, pretty intense stuff. And man, a lot has happened in the last two years. Uh, if 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 we could go back and speak to ourselves on that night, I guarantee you, I never could have predicted the things that we've seen happening in America since that day. So, how has the last two years been for you personally?
5: oh wow it, it seems like a very, very long time yeah, so much has happened, and so much has changed and and uh for me, I came out with my um exposing my my story as an m k ultra survivor, which I did on your show mm-hmm. two years ago, and that's led to speaking engagements and more interviews and more more people uh contacting me and and uh I, I was amazed. I thought I would be ostracized. I thought people would. Uh, I thought my life was over, basically, by by coming out like that. And uh, it's not the case. People have been wonderful to me, and uh, a lot of people have contacted me. Have had similar kinds of experiences, and they didn't know what to do with it. And and uh, I'm not often. Not sure what to do with it. So sure. I've, I've been doing work with with uh, groups trying to put together, you know, some information and and uh, help for survivors. And uh, I think most people who think they are survivors are survivors. And uh, then became uh, published my book on human trafficking, Angels Over Moscow, which was the trafficking prevention and the coalition that I built in Russia to fight human trafficking. And clearly it needs to be done here. Mm -hmm. So um, I've been speaking to groups and and getting information out about really how to do it, because the model that we used in Russia can work just as well here. And I I think that's the only way to fight human trafficking is that it has to come from communities. It has to Mm -hmm. come from the ground up. It's going to have to be a citizen law enforcement partnership and people have to realize the government is not going to fix this right it, it it has no motivation to fix it it's it's uh making money laundering money through big organizations who are never going to fix it and uh whether it's apathy and incompetence or corruption or all three they're not going to do it so citizens have to do it and that's the message that i'm getting a lot of pushback from uh, you know international criminal groups who do not want People to understand that citizens have a lot of power. I mean, there's there's millions of us that uh, want to see human trafficking ending, and uh, we can stop it. So,
4: well, it's it's the same as it is with many of the other issues that we're fighting yeah. against. You know, so often yeah. I try to remind people that, and even uh, Donald Trump said it uh, very recently. You know, there are far more of us than there are of them, and it, it and when we're looking at a problem as Nuanced and as horrific as human trafficking, especially understanding the state sponsored portion of it. You know, I mean, like, I think a lot of people have traditionally looked at human trafficking as just an organized criminal act, but it's become pretty obvious throughout the last decade or so to many, many more people that this is a state sponsored act that's happening in so many of these cases. And it's not just couple of rogue people in the child and family services industry it's not just a couple of rogue uh, uh, federal uh, you know individuals but it's like entire agencies it, it, it's it's entire branches of the government that have specific organized efforts taking place Mm -hmm. uh and they use it for so many different things i mean it's not just a very simple issue it's not just one thing i mean it is the money it it is the the deviancy i mean it's the power the control the blackmail i mean there's so many different levels to it
5: the money laundering the the uh and and since i've worked internationally on this issue for about 20 years I can see that that it's not just local groups anywhere. There are huge international networks that are that are doing it all over the world. I mean, the same people that were doing it in Russia are living not far from me in, mm-hmm. in the United States. So they're here and uh, they're still doing it. And we've also you know, what have we discovered in the last two years is how horribly corrupt certain agencies in our law enforcement, in our Department of Justice is. So, you know, why can't the government get traction on any of this? It's because these powerful agencies are working against it. Mm
6: -hmm.
5: And uh, in the last two years, it's been the exposure of corruption in the United Nations and how incredibly corrupt the agencies in the United Nations are. And then this whole um, plan to depopulate the world, which I think about half the people on Earth are finally starting to understand, don't you think?
4: Absolutely, yeah. You know, and even people that uh, that I've known in my personal life who were kind of convinced by the idea that they needed to to take the jab, uh, you know, at this point, they've really come around to realizing that it wasn't necessary to begin with, but even more than that, uh, that it was just a dangerous decision to make long-term, even if it didn't kill them outright, Many of these people are, are looking at uh, lifelong side effects as a result. So in, in some cases, debilitating illnesses. You know, I've interviewed countless people yeah. who either felt they needed to take it or who felt that they were forced to take it. Uh, and uh, and as a result, now they're it's it's I mean, it doesn't even take all that long. I mean, I interviewed a 30 year old woman, a mother of two who was perfectly healthy. I mean, she was a stay at home mom. That's all she did was take care of her kids. She took the first dose, and within 72 hours, she developed multiple sclerosis. I mean, the type of debilitating lifelong illness that generally comes on over time. I mean, decades. Yeah, it's too fast. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, and and even though, you know, I mean, they will say that, you know, correlation isn't necessarily causation, you know, and we don't have the studies to back it up, but I mean, a 30-year-old healthy woman does not simply develop multiple sclerosis in a 72-hour period out of thin air. You know, yeah. that's the only variable that existed. So it's great to see people waking up, but it's yeah. disheartening another, to understand another thing
5: what it took. Another thing, really, from the last two years is looking at the medical profession. Mm-hmm. I mean, what happened to the men? I'm, I'm a doctor. I came back from Russia. They're getting better. They're better organized. Their medical system is you know a thousand percent better than it was ten years ago. I came back here, we've backslid. I I I don't understand why doctors are pushing these things. I don't understand why they don't understand. I mean, I went to medical school in the nineteen seventies mm-hmm. and we knew that mRNA was dangerous and that it had been discontinued because of vaccine research it had all been done in the sixties and seventies. And they knew about spike proteins. They knew about the the uh, how it how it could suppress the immunological system in human beings. So they didn't do it. And here they are doing it. But the, if I knew that in the 70s, all the doctors must know this, or at least have access to the information. So not yeah. only are they pushing the jabs, they're taking them.
4: Well, and, you know, and that's a, that's kind of a, a question for the ages, isn't it, uh, juliet You know, our, I, I've, I've had this kind of conversation with people, you know, who believe that, you know, the, the, the doctors and the people who are actually empowered, they're not really taking the same jab that they're pushing on the population. I think it's yeah. likely that there are different batches that have different ingredients or perhaps, you know, are more deadly or less deadly than others. And it's totally plausible that for the like the highest of the elites, they're giving, you know, saline solution or something so that there is no danger to them. Um, but I mean, it's pretty obvious that, yeah, a lot of medical professionals have actually taken this stuff. And it is fascinating, uh, to just kind of try to comprehend how someone who is supposed to be among the most highly educated individuals out there could rationalize to themselves that this very dangerous, you know, highly experimental, uh, gene therapy would be something that they could rationalize to put inside their bodies. I, I mean, I'm, I'm shocked every single day. I, 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 you know, I was going to say open up the paper, but nobody opens the paper anymore. You just open up the, the computer and you look in and and you hear something about a doctor or a medical professional. I mean, dropping dead, dead. Yeah. Died, died peacefully in their sleep. Natural causes at 32 years old, a cardiovascular disease. I mean, like, how many times have you heard that? Somebody who just did not look like they were on their deathbed and they had
5: cardiovascular disease. They, something wrong with their heart. That's just not normal. Well, I think the doctors are answering to the insurance companies,
4: right? It's money
5: and yeah, money. And they're afraid of, of ruffling feathers in among administrators, insurance companies, and, you know, state licensors. So you've got a huge wad of corruption. And that's another agency. I mean, the medical profession should be guarding the public against human trafficking. Mm -hmm. They're they're probably the first ones that see, you know, 80 percent of the cases because they come into the ERs or they're or they're referred by schools or, you know, some other community service. So they do get to the medical professionals, but the medical professionals don't have a clue. So we're going to you know, change that.
4: What, what, what occurred to me is, you know, I mean, you mentioned the uh, the, the first people, that front line that should be seeing yeah. the signs of this. You know, I mean, social services is an industry that is, by and large, overrun by bleeding hearts. I mean, like super left-wing people, Democrats, and I feel like this is – it's along the lines of the type of uh behaviors that a lot of Democrats are trying to push as being somehow normalized, like the sexualization of children uh, and these kind of deviant behaviors and you know and not to mention, I think that generally speaking they're more apt to go along with things uh if they feel that you know it's going to benefit them more than people who consider themselves to be patriots, certainly and so i I wonder like how much of it is just like. Willful ignorance because maybe they're profiting from it or, uh, you know, maybe just like stupidity because they don't have any idea that, you know, something's going on. I mean, the the education system is collapsing in America today. And I was wondering the same with doctors, too. I mean, is it just that for, you know, 20 or so years they didn't mention uh, spike proteins or they didn't mention mRNA? uh, And so people just forgot about it. And then they bring it up and they're like, guess what? We've got the answer. Here we go. Yeah,
5: I I don't know. But I think it's a combination of all those things, yeah. Yeah. you know, and you can't fix stupid. You're never going to fix stupid, but you can fix corrupt. That's so right. uh, but the impetus to do that is not going to come from the top down because we're no. suffering from a whole layer of of, uh, you know, terminal corruption. If we let it continue, mm-hmm. we've got to stop this. So it's it's the. Groundswell. I mean, it, we have an enormous groundswell. I mean, look at the Trump rally.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Look at all those great deplorables out there. That's right. You know, loving on America. those are the full people. of beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't. So, so what needs to be done is local communities have to start have to know what to do. So that's that's the role of something like the Angel Coalition is to create the materials, the processes. Work out the agreements because it has to be a partnership between citizens and law enforcement. But you have to know how to work with law enforcement and you have to know how to approach law enforcement, how to get them to take you seriously, how to be a good resource. And then you, then you, then you have it start working in, in in uh, i'll say we start working it in 10 communities and we've mm-hmm. got 10 communities that want to start yeah and i'm going off to do a, a conference with a group of law enforcement next week and that we're going to start writing the protocols for for uh because you can't just have they can't be answering to everyone but you can have a system for reporting human trafficking and everyone i talk to has some idea that they've seen that going mm-hmm. on but they don't know what to do about it right so i think i think if, if you create and this is what we did in Russia. So um, shall I tell you a little bit? I was actually going to say, before we get too deep
4: into what you're doing now, let's yeah. let's go back to when you actually went to Russia. I mean, what was it that drove you to sell your practice here in America and go to the the, the former Soviet Union in the wake of the uh, the uh, the collapse of communism?
5: Well, I realize in retrospect, it's a combination of my upbringing in an MK Ultra program. Yeah. But I didn't realize that 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 at the time but i was actually invited to go to russia and be the first doctor into their maternity hospital system Mm. because my specialty was ultrasound diagnosis and i had a laboratory and a a technology firm that did ultrasound development. So it was a first-line tool for, for maternity hospitals. So they invited me to come, and I did go. This was just in January of 1990. So I was the first one to get into not their show hospitals, but their actual hospitals. And that was so horrific. Uh, I'd, I'd never experienced Anything like that, and it was it was the kind of thing that you couldn't leave behind. And I've written about it in both my books, in Sparky uh, Surviving Sex Magic, and also in my new book, Angels Over Moscow. Um, so I kept coming back, and eventually, I sold my pro- practice in Seattle. I had a thriving practice in Seattle. I sold it, started Miramed Institute as a nonprofit organization, and started working. In Russia with um reforming maternal and infant health care. They were very receptive. I mean, it was it was uh they were desperate for the information, they wanted to soak it up, they did everything everything, every expert that we brought over was Treated, you know, with great respect, and the information was absorbed, and they were ready for change. Well, so that I mean, they must have
4: been so closed off to yeah. the information that had been, you know, developing out in the greater world. I mean, I know, you know, I, 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 I remember a little bit from when I was a kid, and and when, you know, the the specter of the Soviet Union loomed, and it seemed like there was just such this great divide between the East and the West and uh, and even after that between like china and the west and like you, that's all kind of like fizzled away it's dissolved and now there seems to be this real intermingling of uh, of information and and science and stuff like that but i mean it must have been a very very different world
5: very different world and and i was privileged to be there during the breakup of the soviet union and uh, the chaos that that ensued in that and just developed a tremendous admiration for the strength and the goodness of those people as they, as their whole entire system was crumbling. And that's where we are right now, right? Our entire system, we're right at the edge and they see it. They think, you know, they hope we pull back and don't go over the edge. Uh, You know, we're at the edge, everything's going to crumble. And then do we have the fortitude and the, brains and the skill and the determination and the beliefs to rebuild uh in a better world or is it just going to fall apart we become a third world nation which is what the genocidists have you know planned for us but Mm -hmm. we're not going to do that um so back to the fall of the soviet union and my role in this is is uh as i worked in the maternity hospitals i realized how many children were being abandoned so it it's We've gone where they were because they they most of the pregnancies were aborted. They had free abortions. That was the only uh, childcare they had, and it mm-hmm. drove, drove women to suicide. It was it was such a barbaric system and terrible practice. And and um, but they would have the children, and then the hospital would talk them into giving them up, and uh, they could be given up for multiple reasons uh one of the most common was red hair if you had red hair you could be abandoned in a hospital and uh so there were orphanages full of kids with red hair why is that Uh, well they said well there was never an angel with red hair that's (laughs) That's that was the explanation (laughs) (laughs) that's so weird okay (laughs) Yeltsin used to make jokes about red hair too. So I, I really, there's some things about the culture I, I never really understood. But so so all these perfect little babies were were given up to these barbaric uh, uh, orphanages. And at the time I was there, I found out there were 800,000 children growing up in these institutions. So I want to, I of course had to get out, see the institutions. I had to visit these places. Uh, I started working with uh again, they were just eager to change and, and reform everything. So, I started working with teachers and educators and and uh, starting to develop programs of life skills so the kids could get out of the orphanages and then get a job and live. But what was actually happening is the kids were walking out the door, they were being picked up by human traffickers mm. and, and taken all over the world and sold for every possible uh, situation. And I didn't, I didn't, you know, how do you grasp that? How do you grasp that that's happening here? And it is. Yeah. But they, the, uh, I had one incident where I was taking coats to an orphanage up on the border of Russia and Finland in the middle of winter. They needed coats. It was in the middle of the financial crash of 1998 when the whole economy went down the tubes. It was mm-hmm. sort of the second fall of the Soviet Union. And, and, uh, so I, took these coats on this bus and it's a long story and it's in the book and and uh we handed out the coats the kids went to school and there were 15 coats left so can, can you show the slide of the kids in front of the orphanage
4: oh um yeah give me just a second and i can uh get that pulled up
5: so we found out that that all the teenage girls were gone and as soon as zach has the picture up this is a picture of the kids That had disappeared. And uh, I found out by talking to the younger kids that uh, there was a bus that came from Finland every summer or every other summer, actually, and would take all the teenage girls to Finland for jobs. And uh, they thought this was great and they couldn't wait till they got to go. So I thought that was pretty dodgy. And I followed, I actually followed the bus up the route that the bus took up to uh, Murmansk and and hooked up with women's groups up there who were aware of what was happening. And then we followed the bus from Murmansk over the border into Norway, up into the most Northern parts of Norway and discovered that the girls were being, the buses became mobile brothels and the girls were being um, raped. These little girls were being raped on the buses and the buses just kept rolling until they got to Norway. And, uh, So I went to the police in Kirkenes, Norway, which is way up on the the North Sea, and uh, asked them, you know, where are these girls? We know they're coming here by the busload, so where are they? And the police sergeant pulled open a drawer, and it was all full of Polaroid pictures that were headshots of children. And I looked carefully at these pictures, and they were all dead. So, oh, it was... it was awful and i had i had the picture that i hope i hope you're able to pull up so i had a i've picture got that held.
4: picture of the children yes on screen right now
5: okay so these are the children every teenage girl you see in that picture was missing and so i i went back the next day with the picture and i wanted to sit down and look at the headshots and see who was there and then they denied that they'd ever had the pictures so um they did admit that that they did find children's bodies all the time. And they put them in mass graves and called them all Natasha's. Mm -hmm. And uh, if they found live children, which was very rare, they did help them. But uh, it was, it was extremely unusual. And so couldn't let that go. I couldn't let the birthing stuff go. I'm kind of OCD, I think. And, and I couldn't let this go. So I started about this time I met a group that was uh, doing research actually it was a George Soros funded project. They were doing research on poaching and they discovered that the people that were poaching white tigers in Siberia were also trafficking children and young women. So they, they got a grant to go undercover and they filmed the, the whole trafficking process. They had cameras in their eyeglasses and they made a film called bought sold Mm -hmm. and, uh, It was an amazing, amazing film. It it laid it all out there, but then they were tagged and they they could never go back into Russia. They were denied all future access to Russia. So they gave the film to me and uh, a group of volunteers and I started taking it around to little towns and villages all over Russia and showing it at the schools and calling town meetings. And and from those, you, you would see you know when when nothing you're in a tiny village where nothing happens all year and you roll into town they all show up so of course so they all listen politely and then get hysterical because they start to realize that their kids are being siphoned off and it's not just that they can't write home it's that they've been trafficked so out of Out of that, we we went to like 150 total with all the volunteers and held all of these meetings over the course of two years and started uh, collecting a group of people that were interested and really motivated to work on the problem. And they became the core of the Angel Coalition. And if if you can show the next slide, which shows the ladies of the Angel Coalition, this is 20, 20 Russian ladies and a couple of gentlemen who um some of them didn't even have a telephone in their villages so uh, some of them only had a one radio for the entire town but they were determined to start uh to stop human trafficking in their areas so these ladies became the, the core of the angel coalition which grew into a huge international coalition in multiple countries eventually they went out to multiple countries and uh over the course of the 10 years that we were really active and fully funded, we rescued over 70,000 people oh from gosh. human trafficking, yeah, from 15 different countries and all the former Soviet republics. And that's because of the law enforcement partnership. Um, we, we went and trained law enforcement that, okay, you pick up one Russian girl, that means there's a brothel with 20 others. So have the girl take you to the brothel. And we would be on the phone with the girl during this process so that she was all right and not terrified.
4: Well, you know, one of the most difficult things that I can probably think of with that is like explaining to law enforcement that this isn't just a, a problem of like prostitution, you know, I mean, like it, it's an organized criminal network of people who are stealing and selling these children into the sex trade. And yeah, I mean, did you find that there was like a, a, a like a stigmatization of about, you know, people if they thought somebody was a prostitute? Like, it, was it difficult to explain to them that it's not just a prostitute? This is somebody who has had their life stolen from them.
5: Yeah. And largely, they don't care mm. because they're dealing with, you know. I mean, what they have to deal with on the streets is just unbelievable. But the the um incentive for them is if if they treat the victim well then she becomes a witness Mm -hmm. so she's not just you know another piece of dirt off the street here's a witness they're going to get a prosecution out of this and it worked that way and and if you get the get follow her to the to the brothel and get 20 to 50 girls and young women they all become witnesses and that's what happened and and uh I think that's why we became extremely unpopular in certain circles because it was a very effective strategy. And uh, when we started doing this to the to the brothels that were up and down the the highway Yaroslavl Road outside of Moscow, those were all international. Those were Ukrainian, Albanian, Bulgarian. They each had a a brothel outside of Moscow there, and they knew how to play jurisdictions. So, and this happens here too. So uh, it's like. Okay, the Ohio State police are going to raid a brothel so they pick up and move to Pennsylvania. And uh then the case gets gets lost because it's not high enough value for the FBI, but uh uh so it it fades. So they're doing that here, and that's what they were doing there and we got the federal police involved and uh they started raiding the the child brothels. And they raided they, they released thousands of children that were being held just outside of Moscow. And And, uh, those saved people are here.
4: (laughs) I want to hear about that. Before you go into that, you said 70,000 people saved. Can you estimate how many people actually paid, like, you know, what was criminally prosecuted? How many people might have been arrested
5: as a result of your work? Wow. That would be very interesting. I don't think, I don't think we have that data. We focused on the victims because they were our contacts. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I, there were a lot of prosecutions, and uh, we would provide counseling through the prosecution process. Plus, other NGOs in other countries uh, did a lot of great work on on victim support and and uh, getting them through the courts. But then, then when our um, our administration changed the whole motivation for doing anything against human trafficking disappeared. And when we you re- say
4: when you say you're the administration, are you talking about the Obama, Obama. administration?
5: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. The Bush administration did provide support and, uh, and the State Department uh, had policies on prostitution and and uh, human trafficking. Uh, but as soon as Obama was in office, all that disappeared. And it well. And the whole trafficking effort was absorbed by the Department of Justice, which. Um, <laughs> and Hillary Clinton say? was
4: at the State <laughs> Department. Hillary oh. Clinton was the secretary of state. And and I mean, during the Obama administration, I mean, I believe that Hillary Clinton oversaw the cover up of uh, a, a human trafficking and, and child pornography uh, ring that took place there at the State Department as well.
5: Yes, very much so. And the Clinton Foundation was soaking yep. up all the resources. So they would, yep. they would destroy small organizations like ours. And it wasn't just us that came after. It was all of them. So, so pretty soon all you had was Clinton Foundation, Soros, uh, International Organization of Migration, which has to be looked at. That's a UN-affiliated organization that you probably have never heard of, have no, you? No, I haven't, no. And it's the biggest human trafficker on the planet. Wow. So you think, how are all these people getting into Europe? How are all these people getting into the United States? They're coming in with funds from the International Organization of Migration. And they are something like an $800 billion a year operation. And you, it, it's like, you can't talk about it. <laughs> so, um, but we had a sub grant through them. And it's a perfect example of how money is laundered. Mm-hmm. So, We had a grant. We were never even told how big the grant was, but apparently it was considerable. It was in our names. And we supposedly had 15 employees on this grant. We had two. So by the time the money got to us, we had two employees and a very small budget. And we could do, you know, they would give us a piece of a person here and a piece of a person there. We weren't meant to succeed with this money. But yet, officially, the State Department would get up and say, whoa. They've got this big grant, you know, and it, it all went into the International Organization of Migration, and we were never even told who our employees were. Wow. And so that's money laundering, you know. Absolutely. That's, yeah. that's how it's done. And the little organizations are just, you know, obliterated in that process and uh, not meant to succeed.
4: So when uh when in, in the introduction of your book or in the description of your book, you, you mentioned a, a state sponsored aspect to this and then you said that there were people that were doing it in Russia that are here now. Can you take us through that?
5: Well, there were a lot of um when Russia opened for business, uh a lot of the uh I don't know how to explain the whole oligarch system, but
4: yeah. Well, uh, I mean, it's it's essentially the the same as the elites here in America. I mean, you know, you've got like your party bosses and your wealthy people that are running industry, and then the politicians, and they all just kind of intermingle. I I would imagine that that uh, Nancy Pelosi and the Pelosi claim they are they're modern day oligarchs here in America.
5: I think that's and the Bidens too. (laughs) Yes, and and they all know each other. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and, and I mean, internationally. Uh, collude with each other yep. but the in russia that was very common for um members of parliament to own broth they call it nightclubs
6: mm-hmm.
5: it, all over europe and uh so they would support these nightclubs and they got special dispensation they got tax breaks uh they paid off local countries and these were all where the traffic people were sent so there was collusion on all kinds of levels and and we'll have the same problem here as we did there, and that is that a lot of the top level of law enforcement is completely corrupt and part of this, but you've got about half of it that isn't. And and you've got to find on a person-to-person basis who it is that you can really trust. And I can tell you that one of the people that that we just loved working with is now the Minister of Interior of Russia. So he's now the top guy of Russia, incorruptible. Um, So that's, that's the kind of relationship you want to have. When I first met him, he was a detective on the, on the street. And, uh, so he was very serious about, about setting up these programs and, and doing these things and helping people. And so that's for our group as, as the coalition forms and little partnerships form in communities, uh, Start with those people. I mean, look for cub reporters, look for new police, eager police um, recruits, you know, because someday they'll be the top dogs, Mm -hmm. you know. So in a way, that's what the left did with the MK Elder programs. They started and patiently brainwashed smart kids through the 50s, 60s and 70s. Now you've got all these brainwashed people running this country and and look at what a disaster it is. But we can do the reverse. It'll take time, but, you know, don't don't try going to the head sheriff or the head of the task force or, or the head of the Department of Justice. I mean, they're already offering grant money on this and uh, trying to get me to talk to them, but, no, you don't want that. You, it, you can do this for no money in communities and start from the grassroots up and get the states and the counties to support the efforts because there has to be um, state support for, uh, like, you know, um, shelters and for rehab and for protection, uh, while the cases are going to trial. Oh, uh, could you show that slide of the map of the United States? Because this yes. is very encouraging.
4: Yes. All this right, that's a- on screen right now.
5: Because I didn't I didn't mean to run down the Department of Justice and Law Enforcement, just the, the corrupt Agencies. Uh, I didn't realize how much corruption there was in these agencies, and that's something that came out in the last two years. Mm-hmm. But um, if you look at this map, this is, this shows the uh, uh, the closed in, or the sealed indictments mm-hmm. and the open indictments on trafficking cases. And I think there's there's twenty six thousand current active. Yeah, 20, uh, yeah
4: 26,897 that have been unsealed and 467,966 non-sealed indictments for pedophilia and trafficking offenses.
5: Yes. And that's, that's outstanding. That's, that's, that is all within last, that was the Trump administration that, right. That really got that going. And that won't stop just, just because we're in this crazy transition that, that will continue. But that has to be augmented by the citizens uh, groups the communities who then provide the support for witnesses um, safe houses uh, police protection for witnesses all of these things that that uh, um, have to be done on a local level and we can do it i mean the russians did it without telephones Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think we can pull this off
4: (laughs) Well, you know, you know, I I think that uh, it would be great to also start in areas that are already actively really honing in on human trafficking. I mean, I immediately think of Sheriff Grady Judd down here in Florida. I mean, he holds so many more press conferences than any constitutional sheriff I can imagine uh, in the United States. But I mean, he's constantly like just showing off the number of human traffickers uh, and the people that he's catching in, in pedophile stings. And uh, I mean, if there was ever going to be a place to, you know, to really develop and, and kind of nurture that public-private partnership, and then you could show how easily it could be implemented and how successful it can be when you do it correctly, I mean, I, I would imagine he's the guy.
5: Absolutely. And there are, are sheriffs all over the country that are, are interested in that. And there's also yeah. the, the low-level guys. It doesn't need to be the top, top dog. You start mm-hmm. with your contacts in the sheriff's department and prove that this kind of partnership works. And we know it works. So we can provide the, the like structure as to, as to how, how you do this, how you make yourself credible. And the thing is, you, if you start very small and you're under the auspices of like, Oh yeah, we're part of the angel coalition. You can be two people, you know, in, in a, in a tiny town, but mm-hmm. you know, you've got this big umbrella and, and uh, it's very safe that way. In Russia, people were terrified because they would, you know, if you're in a small village, same here. Mm-hmm. You're in a small village. You know who the traffickers are. You know them, and they know you. You know, so so uh, it, everything had to be done anonymously, and we can do that. I mean, you can you can do it under the auspices of an of an umbrella, and uh, it doesn't require money. It t- it requires, uh, you know, certitude, grit. And determination to to save your community, and if we can't do that, we're not going to make it as a country. So uh, we need to do that.
4: And- so, so the the Angel Coalition. I mean, you said that you had really ramped down once the Obama administration came in. Did you ramp up again when President Trump came into office?
5: Uh, started to yes, yes, and I I wrote my book Angels Over Moscow, which is it's a good good read. Anyone that's interested in in starting to work in this in this area and i don't mean like as a profession but as as a human being like as a member of a church or the member of a community or or someone that cares about their schools read the book find out how how we did it from nothing to a viable working international which is not the goal the goal is to work in your own community so for each person it's to say okay i'm noticing there's something suspicious going on in this strip mall over here and kids are showing up and kids are kids are leaving and you know it it looks very suspicious but we don't know what to do about it so we're going to make sure you know what to do about it and who to who to go to and how to develop your relationship in your with law enforcement your community because it has to be a partnership you can't go over there and arrest anybody
4: right so, when you, so, so right now the Angel Coalition is, is active. Like, is there some way that people can go about becoming like officially associated with it and, and actually like, you know, opening up branch offices or uh, doing this uh, under the auspices uh, of your larger umbrella?
5: Yes, we're starting that. So, within okay. the next six months, it'll be, it will be possible to do that. Um, first of all, we need to get the, Anybody can start now. You can start now. You you can go talk to your, every state has a trafficking task force. Go talk to your trafficking task force representatives in your state and your county, but not, not on the telephone and not over the computer, sit down with them face to face and decide, is this a good person? Right. That's, that's the thing that the Russians are so good at. They, they look at your soul.
1: <laughs> yeah, they do. You're right. You're right.
5: <laughs> that's, Here's a little example of that. Everybody in Russia uses taxis, but they're not taxis. They're called gypsy cabs. And anybody who drives will pick someone up if they're standing with their their hand out. And I did that for 20 years, all by myself, all over Russia, getting rides in in strangers' cars. But there's a little negotiation that takes place when you look each other in the eye, (laughs) and they decide if you're bad news and you decide if they're bad news. And you hit a little soul to soul agreement works every time, you know, (laughs) your your soul judgment is infallible. (laughs) That's great. Well, that's really
4: interesting because, you know, I mean, here in America, I mean, obviously hitchhiking used to be a thing, but then... I think because of serial killers like Ted Bundy. I think it was Ted Bundy kind of killed hitchhiking for everybody here. And, um, you know, the, Russia hasn't had the same type of, um, I guess, I don't know, like fascination with death that the United States has. I mean, we have a lot more active serial killers here, don't we?
5: Hard to say. Hard to say. I think they've they've, they've got their share.
4: Yeah.
5: But, uh, yeah, they've got pretty grim... <laughs>
4: I don't know. I mean, I think I've only heard of they like two, two Russian kill serial killers. There was one, there was one, this guy that was the serial killer in Moscow, like in a park. It was this giant park and people would walk through mm. and he would, I don't know, take them in. I, I, I don't know that, if he had like a catchy name, like, you know, the Green River or BTK or something crazy like that, but... Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess maybe I'm just thinking I've heard about it a lot more here in America, but I think that the idea that, that anybody could just stick their hand out and somebody would stop for you and, you know, <sighs> y- you would be, you would come to some agreement and get a ride somewhere. That's just, uh, that's just strange.
6: I and
5: a nonverbal agreement. Yeah. Because okay. you're just looking each other in the eye, you know, mm-hmm. but boy, if they take you in their car, they get you where you're going to go no matter what it takes. And that's the unwritten code.
4: Wow. <laughs> Wow, so interesting! It is. All right. It is.
5: I, I miss Russia. I miss living there.
4: So, how long has it been since you've been back there?
5: I I, I haven't been back for ten years. And
4: but you're still in contact with people in Russia.
5: Oh, sure, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And and as you know, I want to take a, a group of of the people that I consider the the best journalists in the country over there. As soon as it's possible, I, we're we're still talking about it.
4: Yeah, yeah. It's, I was going to ask after you know, how after the
5: referendums.
4: How? Yeah. How, well, that was. I was. That's what I was going to ask about. You know, like what will need to become possible for? Well, what will need to come to pass to make that possible? You know, I mean, like, do you think that uh, there will be an opportunity for that? Like before yeah. the 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 war between Russia and Ukraine is is finished, or? Um, do you think that, you know, that's even going to be wrapped up anytime soon?
5: Well, they're having the referendums in Kherson, Zaporozhye, uh, Lugansk, and Donetsk. So that's most and of this, the Donbass. And, and so- this,
4: this is what uh, uh, Zelensky just uh, announced that if anybody participates in these referendums, they will suffer five years in prison. But I guess I was kind of confused as to what the referendums would actually do, because it was my understanding that they already had these. Same referendums back in 2014, after there was the autonomous regions uh, that, that broke off. What will these referendums do? And uh, and and is it for them to become part of Russia proper? Yes. Okay. Well,
5: actually, technically, all of Ukraine is is actually part of Russia, but they want to become and, and Russia is very bureaucratic, so mm-hmm. uh, they want to become official administrative districts like oblasts of. Uh, of states of russia Mm -hmm. so they have all the states rights and all of all of that and yeah and the ukrainians are threatening basically if the referendums fail and ukraine invades those areas they're going to kill everyone Mm -hmm. they've been trying to do it i mean they've killed a hundred thousand people already just in in donetsk from the constant bombing because donetsk Lugansk, and i think kharkiv Also had a referendum. So they they voted in 2014, just like Crimea did. But Crimea is tucked down in the south, and they got away with it. But uh, the Donetsk region, which is also the big steel producing, it's the industrial region of the area called Ukraine. And uh, ukraine declared genocide. They said they would kill every russian that 's eight million people mm-hmm. that they were out to kill in the breakaway what they call the breakaway republics so they 're redoing the referendums, but this time they 're backed by the Russian army and that 's the difference
4: so okay so so previously, when they were held, they became like breakaway republics, like their own autonomous regions, not Russia, not ukraine yeah. and now so now they would actually be. a a under the banner of Russia as a, as a a self-operating state, I guess.
5: Yes. And having all the administrative uh, benefits of citizenship Mm -hmm. and protection, you know, all the things that, that, that go with that, which they don't have now. And, and uh, so I think it took, I think it took eight years to, uh, for Russia to infiltrate all the bio labs, which they did. They mm-hmm. infiltrated the biolabs. They infiltrated the Kharkiv Institute, which was making the Sukhets nuclear bombs,
6: mm-hmm.
5: which I am sure were going to be used on the Kiev embassy to blow up all that evidence they have there.
6: Mm-hmm. And
5: and uh, um, also to uh, to build up the... Well, they're not using their regular army now. They're using the militias from Luhansk, Donetsk, and the Chechens. So mm-hmm. they've got the Chechen militias who yep. are just vicious. So you know they're I've using seen
4: those names. guys. Yeah, they're Ooh. pretty badass. Yeah, <laughs>
5: very badass. <laughs>
4: like gorillas in uh, in fatigues. Um, so okay, so yeah, so the, so so this way, if the referendums are successful, then as an official part of the Russian Federation, if Ukraine actually attacks them if they continue to send uh, uh, missiles or bombs into donetsk then that would be akin to actually attacking the russian federation itself and so that would be a much different act of war uh than the kind of civil war that it's been up until this point
5: exactly and the russian army did partially mobilize Mm -hmm. so as the referendums uh, they figure it'll take a month to get the to get the called up reservists trained they've already all signed up they're already uh, organizing so they will be down there on the front the minute that the that the russian duma approves the referendums which are really foregone conclusions because uh, every as as you said if if you get caught as a russian in the in those regions they're going to kill you
6: Mm-hmm.
5: And well, they've been and, doing it. So, it's...
4: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, you know, how much longer this is going to go on. And it seems like if the referendums are successful, um, I can't see the western portion of ukraine remaining comfortable with um this kind of military interaction because you know like you said the the russian federation hasn't really put its army into ukraine if they wanted to end this and they wanted to use a heavy hand i think that they are already would have done it and you know the people in those breakaway breakaway republics one of the reasons that
2: Order now
1: FighterFlare.com
4: There is this like affinity between them and the the Russian people is because I mean it's all they're you know they're it's, it's Russian people already they are they're Russian already speaking people, yeah. yeah they're speaking Russian they they have Russian uh, genetics and you know I mean it's just they were just poor, a part of Ukraine for a long time
5: not that long actually about eight well, yeah, years
4: a c- c- couple decades you know
5: yeah yeah and they <laughs> but, didn't want to be it was right. just an arbitrary line
4: yes yes it was drawn. Was it uh, uh, Stalin Yeltsin. that gave them over that uh, that that just drew that line?
5: I think it was yeah. Yeltsin and Gorbachev okay, when, okay. when uh, the Soviet Union was supposed to break up in 1991, but okay. Ukraine never completed the process. So uh, it, the whole thing's been ambiguous for quite a while.
4: Wow. wow. But
5: the, you've got 8 million Russian, ethnic Russians that want to be part of Russia and have all the rights of Russian citizens. Right now, they have no rights. hmm so right. and trafficking through that area is outrageous and i think uh, the russian army has rescued something like 35,000 trafficked children from ukraine
4: you know, I uh, I did a report several months ago about uh, the situation with uh, uh, orphaned children in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, I was surprised is. to learn that Ukraine is like the largest exporter of uh, of children. I mean, orphaned or not, I mean they they have a lot of kids that are at orphanages that end up going to uh, to foreign nations. And the the situation between Russia and Ukraine right now has just exacerbated the problem. But it's also been Kind of a windfall for, uh, for global human traffickers because I yeah. mean, all of that chaos allows them to come in, grab as many children as they want. You know, it's like the earthquake in Haiti, the Clinton Foundation, Laura Silsby. I mean, they were practically drooling at the prospect of being able to just smuggle all those kids out without any type of oversight or, you know, anybody asking any questions. Thank God somebody did.
5: Yeah. And they've been uh, kidnapping children from the uh, southern regions of Russia and traffic them out through Ukraine. And that's been going on forever. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that that, that whole situation. I, the whole thing would have ended if it wasn't for pressure from United States and NATO mm-hmm. and constantly shipping in these weapons that basically uh, it's stuff that NATO wants to get rid of so they can build new stuff, I guess. But uh, And the mercenary armies that are there. And that's really what they're using the Chechens for is they fight the mercenaries. Hmm. hmm
4: and um you know what's interesting is that the uh the united states i mean having a presence in ukraine i've uh i a long time ago like just when this first started i had found some listings online for mercenaries mm-hmm. that were from like the baltic areas and you know mm-hmm. russia and ukraine or having the ability to speak russian and ukraine and uh, other languages and it seemed like They were putting together mercenary armies that would be there to fight the Russians uh, on behalf of the United States and on behalf of the Ukraine. Because, you know, in the same way that Ukraine launching attacks on a Russian federated state, uh, you know, it would be like the United States officially launching an attack on uh, on something affiliated with Russia, too. I mean, that's a completely different ballgame from this kind of proxy war that's being fought right now.
5: Yes. Yes. And it's it's uh, and and. I don't know if I I translated all of Putin's speech that he just made because oh, yeah. people were misquoting it all over the place. And
4: I would actually he, love to hear that because, I mean, uh, the only thing that I really saw quoted was that uh, he had threatened the use of nuclear weapons. I mean, if there's anything you can clear up, I would love to hear.
5: Well. The speech is on, uh, I put it on my Gab page. I, I should put it somewhere else so that everybody can see it. He's it, very, very clear about the whole history of the conflict, about what Russia intended, about Russia's change, change how they had to modify their plans because of involvement by the United States and NATO. Mm-hmm. And uh, he does talk about, he says, not that they're going to proactively use nuclear weapons, but if, they get, if a nuke gets lobbed on Russia, that they will retaliate and they'll they'll know exactly where it came from. And, uh, they're serious. It's serious. Uh, It's, it's, uh, the media keeps treating it like it's, it's a joke, but I mean, they have, they have the new hypersonic, um, missiles blanking on the, the names are, but they, they have hypersonic nuclear missiles that could destroy great Britain, you know, uh, six missiles and, and they cannot even be detected. So, uh, you gotta pay attention to this i mean they're they're serious about it and he, ukraine just keeps and, and it's not ukraine it's it's the uh deep state players that want this world war three to start happening right uh, nobody wants it but them and then um, the mercenaries the nato mercenaries i think it's in my opinion that the referendums will be overwhelmingly successful i, I think that i think my opinion, is that our country's in devolution, and that's why our military will not take one step into Ukraine and interfere with that process, and why the Ukrainians will not get high-level American weaponry. They're getting the old stuff.
6: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're
5: emptying the storehouses in Europe and Germany, and then they don't have anything, but, I mean, you can't fix stupid. So, so um, I think it'll it'll end when the referendums are set, and the Russian army has set the front line. Mm-hmm. It's it's a long front; it's like a thousand kilometers, yeah, uh, going straight through the country. But then Ukraine winds up landlocked.
4: I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, that's the only thing that makes any sense, too. You know, I mean, w- I, it even if the United States like wasn't in a state of devolution, I mean, just the direct the direct support. Uh, to Ukraine, giving them like our our, our best military hardware, uh, actually setting soldiers on foot in Ukraine. I mean, that would be as close uh, a, a provocation to World War Three as I think we've ever gotten. Because I mean, that would be essentially us then going head to head with the Russian state, and that's just far too dangerous. I mean, you know, I'd like to think that that Putin and, and Russia won't actually get to the point of using nuclear weapons but i mean the only way that a nation can stay strong is through the threat of having the will to use such force because if anybody out there in on planet earth whether it's united states china or you know anybody else smaller if they look at Russia and say, you know, hey, there's there's no way they would ever go to that length. You know, then that allows them to push it farther and farther and farther to find what line they would actually be willing to step over. I mean, they have to have a show of force.
5: And you pretty much just made uh, Putin's speech right there. You <laughs> said, right. if we don't have a show of force and we aren't serious about it, they're not going to take us seriously. That's right. and uh, i'll send it to you you can put it on your website maybe People I, I
4: would love to and i actually yeah. just pulled up your gab and I, I i passed it out to everybody in the chat and Juliet, i see that you just celebrated a birthday uh uh not that long ago a couple of months ago i'm 73 happy birthday can you look you? don't look a day uh a day over 50 <laughs> <laughs> beautiful <laughs> and um, let me see, uh, you guys. If you are on Gab, uh, I highly suggest you go follow Juliet. She's got some uh, uh, wonderful insight into a lot of different topics, and uh, I'm really happy that that we met. And I also want to say, I want to say this at the beginning. I'm so happy that your experience of coming out and speaking out about your uh, about your life and the things that you've been through has been a positive experience. I mean, I remember how scared you were. I remember, you know, how nerve-wracking that was. And to know that, you know, your appearance here and being a, a public person and, and you know, not having to worry about it anymore, you know, a lot of people, I think, would have been very nervous about that, you know? I mean, it wasn't just that you were telling a personal story. I mean, it was, it's a story with ramifications, you know? I mean, and, and I think that it could have only happened in today's world, because people really have a much deeper understanding about what our government has, what the what elements of our government have done, what the intelligence community has done. You know, people understand that now. They and and just a couple of years ago, you know, maybe they would have just said that you were crazy and that, you know, you're lying or you're making it up to get notoriety or something like that. But I mean, we all know this to be true. I, I mean, people have woken up Uh, to uh, a much, much greater degree than, you know, they ever had a decade ago. It's pretty incredible. Yeah,
5: that's that's a credit to people like you, Zach.
4: Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And to people like you. (laughs) People have to be willing to speak out, you know, and people have to be willing to listen. And I was going to say earlier, too, you know, when, uh, uh, when people have come to you and said, you know, geez, you know, I don't know if I've experienced this or, like, I have, like, these memories. I mean, the very nature of the MKUltra process, I think, is designed to cause that inherent doubt or to make it unbelievable in certain cases, you know? It's like um, uh, gang-stalking, you know? I mean, like, that's designed to make you feel as if you're going crazy. And, you know, you come out and you say, you yeah, know, I've got people following me. You know, there there are people that are doing weird things to me. You know, I mean, it just makes a person sound like they're unhinged. But I know that it happens. I mean, it's been proven – People have been murdered for uh, for coming out and saying this stuff. So, you know, I'm really glad that we are creating this network of people that have the ability to come together and to kind of discuss their shared experiences and help people process it and hopefully make sure it doesn't happen
5: again. That's the only way it's going to make sure it doesn't happen again.
6: Yeah.
5: And again, there's there's millions of us that stand against that and and. Coming from that MK Ultra background, I always felt like I was completely alone.
6: Mm-hmm. I would
5: so, imagine. Yeah. And so <laughs> that night, coming out and talking on your show while you're busy trying to <laughs> keep from being... Totally destroyed and wiped well, off the network.
4: Well, you know, the great irony was because of, you know, getting deleted from everything, you know, I was like, you know, gloves are off. I mean, there's there's no reason to censor ourselves at this point. Uh, you know, there's been a, a couple of people recently who were, you know, in the midst of an interview, you know, there's like, oh, I don't know if I should go there. And I'm just like, you know, drop it. You know, I don't care what go it there. is. They can't take anything else away from me. I've already established myself on all these alternate platforms. There are so many people out there who are speaking the truth now. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's a very different world. And, it's a tidal uh, wave. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad to be a part of it for sure. I'm glad you're a part of it as well. Alright you guys, uh I opened up the lines, the phone lines. Uh let me go ahead and pass out the Zoom link again if you have any questions for Juliet about uh what we talked about before about her her first book Sparky and her experiences as an MK Ultra survivor or her new book Angels Over Moscow and uh tra- human trafficking and work that we can do individually in our own communities to uh combat it and expose it. I I am going to encourage you to call in. Go ahead and jump on the line here. And even if maybe you have a question about something else, that's totally cool, too. Um, Let's see. Juliet, did you happen to watch President Trump's speech before we uh, went on? Are you saving that for later?
5: I got the last half of it.
4: Okay. Okay. Um, Hang on. Did I put that number on there? Yes, I did. Okay. All right. So that's the Zoom link. And here is... The phone information, if you want to call in on your phone, just dial that number, 646-931-3860. Then it'll ask you to put in the passcode and the meeting ID. Uh, Or if you have the Zoom app on your phone or on your computer, then you can go ahead and just use that, and then uh, you'll come into the waiting room. Let me go through the, the couple of thank yous we've got over here on Foxhole. Thank you to Insight Geno for starting off the gold pills. Porpoiseful says good evening. Space Coast Patriot says uh, Juliet is a brave soul. Zach, I love your shows. Thank you from both of us. Uh, Jason Blocker, good to see you, Jason. Ball with the cookie, thank you. PJ Car Seventeen says you have the best guests. Thank you, appreciate that. Uh, Jason said. Did she say a Soros-backed group helped expose trafficking during the White Tiger poaching investigation? And this is actually something I wanted to to bring up, Juliet, because, uh, you know, obviously I think people hear George Soros' name and they immediately think, you know, how can uh, that be associated with anything positive? Uh, Or they just think about NGOs or nonprofits in general. And, you know, I mean, I've talked about, you know, on a number of occasions about how this is a a real opportunity for people to launder money, and it's an opportunity Mm -hmm. for people to do bad things. But it's nuanced, isn't it? I mean, there are many levels here. Go ahead.
5: Well, the the Soros, uh, the organization was a a wild, not wildlife, um, an environmental group. So mm-hmm. they had gotten money through the Open Society Institute, and they were funding uh, conservation efforts mm-hmm. in various countries. And they, they funded a lot of things. Like they funded the hardwiring – this is the Open Society, this is George Soros – the hardwiring of all the universities for the Internet. They, they did that. Now, it gave them access to every piece of Internet Right. Uh, traffic so i mean it, everything had a had a selfish component to it but but they were very active in the former soviet union at the beginning and uh, by the time let's see about 20 2004 2005 they were kicked out uh entirely for laundering money and for pushing um the the uh prostitution mm-hmm. and abortion and uh, the whole liberal agenda right which- Russia kicked them out for that so they, they could no longer operate.
4: I was going to mention that, uh, you know, considering the the kind of wide open nature of, uh, of Russia at that time, it would be a perfect opportunity for a, a group like the Open Society Foundation to develop a toehold by supporting specific missions of specific groups, because like you said, it gives them access to the Internet infrastructure, yeah. gives them the ability to Uh, get into a community so they can set up abortion clinics or, you know, uh, different ways to liberalize societies, but also to allow them to, uh, under the auspices of perhaps fighting human trafficking, come in and take over a network and then use that line to do, you know, their their own type of uh, uh, nefarious stuff. But then also... The way that grant writing works is that you're not asking for a grant to fight human trafficking. I mean, that's not what it is. I mean, you're asking for money for like specific missions uh, to address a specific issue. And so, you know, perhaps they had given money uh to a variety of, uh, of, of nonprofits and NGOs for specific in uh, um, you know, goals that were being done on uh, uh different projects. So I don't know. No,
5: that's true. And, and, uh, After a while, they became like Mm carpetbaggers, and they were really – you couldn't go anywhere in Russian parliament or anything without running into their lobbyists. So eventually Russia kicked them out, Mm -hmm. but they just went to Ukraine. So Kiev is just infested with them, and so the whole liberal uh, agenda and the the whole deep state process got – Started in Ukraine and had a had fertile ground there. And if you look at some of Putin's speeches, he talks about that he he never wants to take over the western part of Ukraine Mm -hmm. because it's been infested and the people of minds have been uh, they've been brainwashed and they've got this liberal agenda going. And he Russia doesn't want to deal with it. He said we're going to wind up having to feed all these people, and you know, (laughs) what are we going to do with them? More trouble than it's worth. (laughs) Exactly, that's what he said that's what he said so they they don't want kiev they don't want um the problems in the west of russia which they consider deep state problems but they had to get rid of the bio labs Mm -hmm. because that was that was the nazi front that was preparing to um you know genetically destroy uh russia they you know they openly said they were going to divide it into five parts Mm -hmm. and wipe out each ethnic group and then turn it to dust
4: Yeah, a weak, demoralized, uh, and, uh, disgusting nation is, uh, much. Different circumstance than an actual like existential threat to the lives and safety of of Russians. That's what the Bio labs represented. Um, yes. So a boneless chicken also says, Zach, you bring the best information on Foxhole. You do such a great work for us. You deserve so much back. I really, really appreciate that. That means a lot. Um, also, we okay, so we have two people on the line, Eric Clark, you're first. We're gonna bring you in after I say thank you to uh, Jerry. Uh, thank you very much on Cash App, also to Mitzi, and then thank you to Sammy Q. Patriot, who says, Hello, my friend. Good to see you, Sammy. I'm glad you're here tonight. Let's go ahead and bring Eric in, and uh, and then looks like Colin is on the line after that. So, hopefully, everybody's phone lines will work, and don't forget to mute your stream before you connect your microphone. Eric, I can see you, but we don't have a microphone. There we go, Eric. Can you hear
8: me, Eric? I can, I can hear you. Awesome. Let me, let me mute the stream. No problem. All right, here I am, here I am. Well, I, right. I love that you've
4: got your pocket constitution in the background there, buddy.
8: Thank you, thank you, Zach. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, uh, I'm a January 6th defendant, and I've been doing a few podcasts here recently, so I sort of want uh, to, it's intentional, all right? Yeah, good, good. Well, geez, I, I sure hope everything's going to work out for you. I mean, how far along in the process are you? I was arrested May 5th of 2021, and I've had a status hearing every two months that's been, been delayed by two months. What are they trying to charge you with? Uh, two counts violent entry of a federal building and two counts unauthorized entry of the Capitol building.
4: And uh, what evidence do they have against you? Can you talk about that, I guess?
8: I, don't I, can, want... I can. I can. Okay. I've not signed any non disclosure agreements or anything of that, actually. Okay. Uh, They don't really have anything against me, right? I was peaceful and prayerful the entire day. Mm -hmm. I I went in through open doors, and and no officers asked anybody in there to leave until we'd been in there approximately 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. And when they did, in that one hallway that I was in, nobody left that hallway. They had guards stationed at every doorway office. Nobody even tried to go past them. When they asked people to leave, the people in that one hallway right there in the Upper West Terrace at the Senate Wing, they even cleaned up the trash on the way out. Right. So so I don't see where they have anything against me. And I uh, and I had I had my own encounter with Ray Epps that day as well. None of this is why I'm calling in, but that's fine. Oh, that's I don't fine. mind I don't mind discussing it. Okay.
4: well, uh, obviously we're going to be praying for you. Ho- make sure you stay in touch, man. I mean, uh, I don't know if you saw the the round table that I did with uh, a number of uh, big people in the uh, the January 6th movement, I, a couple of documentary filmmakers.
8: Um, yeah, so, I mean, they I have. I've spoken with most of the people, okay. like, on the phone before already. Especially good. Trinus Evans has made rounds trying to call, like, as many defendants as he can possibly call just to hear their stories. Okay, good. So that, I've that's talked what to I was going to suggest. So. Yeah, to Dave Sumerall. I've talked to... Uh, who else was on there? What, Gary McBride. Yep, yep. And I've and paid close attention to a lot of the things that Ivan is saying. Not that I necessarily agree or disagree. I just like to hear every angle. Right. right no
4: that's i'm the exact same way you know i mean uh i think that it's uh it's a much richer and and uh, uh deeper world when we can have conversations where we don't necessarily agree with each other on everything uh because let's be honest i mean h- how many people out there do we align with a hundred percent you know i mean right. we got to get along with people if we don't get along with people then you know the world is uh is shot right so uh,
8: i've actually called the to discuss something i probably shouldn't right because i do have that case uh representative tom massey read my encounter with ray epps on the house floor yesterday oh really in their in his resolution to try to uh make force the doj to you know to release everything that they have of course mm-hmm. they turned that down and and right after he read my testimony that you know the, the rank raskins and the rest of them started going off about oh you're listening to a crazy conspiracy theorist <laughs> But here I go, right? So I spent 25 years of my life as a severe drug addict, crystal meth. I was first introduced to crystal meth as a marine. Not that I didn't have already some experience in the in the subculture and a little bit of addiction issues when I joined, right? But I I fairly well beat those. So I, I get out of the Marine Corps. I had some instances there where I would this, this drug it would keep me up for like thirteen days and thirteen nights. And then there was one instance in particular where I had stayed I'd stayed up for thirteen days and on the thirteenth night, now yeah I, I have wrote written a lot of this off. I'm four and a half years sober. So a lot of the things that That's have it. happened in my past I have sort of written off as paranoid schizophrenia from drug-induced situations right because but i had a i've had a lot of situations in my life where i felt like i knew people were chasing me and that right or or following me or stalking me Mm -hmm. uh situations of that nature and then so on january 6th and this is what the for the most part sort of brought a lot of the old memories back up right and it sort of makes me think Deep down subconsciously, that there could be a chance that I've gone through something like uh what Dr. Juliet Igles maybe been through mm-hmm. so i'm at there are a lot of instances in my life that make me believe that that could be possible, but I just don't know well i'm at the so so I, when I left the Capitol on January sixth right this is what brought it back when I left the Capitol on January sixth, I'm coming down the steps leaving. Right. There's people announcing on bullhorns that Trump asked to leave. And I figure I'm going to call my mom, make sure he really said leave Mm because I can't get on Twitter. I was blocked from it. So I call my mom. She says, yeah, he says to leave. So I go to leave. I go down to the reflecting pool where all my friends were at. The people I went with didn't want to come past the reflecting pool. But I I felt compelled to get as close as I could while remaining nonviolent, completely nonviolent peaceful, and prayerful. So when I left, I run into this girl, right? And she's got two small kids with her and there's someone with her in this like real big brimmed hat and a trench coat. And the person seems brawny and much taller than me, but the, the girl says, Oh, that's my mom. I never could see this woman's face. She said, wait, but what she tells me is she took an Uber there from her hotel in Virginia and that she can't get an Uber to come pick her up to get her back. Well. She's asking for a ride, but I don't drive. But some of the guys I went with did. So I said, well, if you walk back to my hotel with me, I can get you a ride. So we walk back to my hotel room. I get her a ride, and I'm sitting in the front. Her, her two kids, and her mom are sitting in the back seat. And as soon as we get onto the expressway, right, I'm the navigator. I'm holding my iPhone. I'm navigating, right, go this way, turn that way. As soon as we turn onto the expressway, the next second, the next thing I remember, we're sitting in the parking lot of the Pentagon, and I'm like, where the hell are we? Oh, wow. The guy that's driving is completely freaked out, sweating, like, like, I'm like, I'm trying to figure out why it is Charles freaking out just all of a sudden. Mm Mm-hmm. So the, the the people in back, oh, just don't worry about it, don't worry about it, pull out of the parking parking lot of the Pentagon around here, around the back, take this turn, take that turn, that's where my hotel is. So we do that, and we drop them off on a corner, right? This is, it's dark out already. Granted, it's not that late, maybe 7.30, but it's dark out, and it's, you're getting dropped off with your mom and two kids on some corner. I didn't well, really want to leave but them there.
4: Isn't, but, I, I, I don't know how easy it is to just pull into the parking
8: lot at the Pentagon. I don't either. Right. But see, I wasn't.
6: Yeah,
8: yeah. I don't. I don't Can you? Okay. Okay. Getting mm-hmm. off the expressway. Well, I mean, that's enough to freak me out right there. So I was just curious. I'm, Of course, I'm going to be buying Dr. Engel's books, right? Mm-hmm. Because this is a this is a topic I've sort of avoided because I really don't need more people saying this guy's a crazy conspiracy theorist. while well, I've got this case going on. Sure. Right. But at the same time, it's not that often you've run into someone that's willing to talk about it that's maybe had similar experiences as you Mm -hmm. how did you come about waking up I, i and i don't know any other way to say it maybe merging identities or something of that nature i don't know because i feel like it's a slow process that's starting to happen but the more i dwell on it the more i think i'm crazy And I definitely feel alone all the time. Everybody loves me everywhere I go. Everybody wants to be around me, but I feel ostracized everywhere I go.
4: Juliet, that's an excellent question. I mean, what was it that kind of uh, made you realize what had happened to you? And, you know, how how long was that process?
5: It's it's still going on. It's a long process. Uh, I basically was sold by my parents, by my father, into the program when I was six and escaped when I was 17, and then part of, the, part of the reason that we can't remember is that the program is, is riddled with memory, erasing drugs, hypnosis, and, and fear tactics, and, and they traumatize children repeatedly and horribly so that you split your identities and dissociate, so you actually become multiple different people but it's not the same as hearing voices in your head or or wow. uh, the schizophrenia you actually have a divided personality and and uh you know when people get to know me they go like you're five or six different people you know and and there's nothing i can do about that i am five or six different people but but you know and and that's why i don't drink i don't do drugs because then i i, I get mixed up but um
8: a big part of why I've gotten sober as well, because-
5: yeah, you, you're not going to get anywhere unless you stay sober, but it is it's a slow, painful process and and you don't strike me as crazy at all but yeah. and, I, and I completely believe you've you've been through some kind of programming, and I think that most people that that think they have have and and uh i what triggered it in me, which was the birth of my daughter. So that's not going to happen to you. But, but uh, just looking at this little person that looked just like me, completely helpless, and having these horrifying feelings that someone was going to take her away and do horrible things to her. And, and of course, those were the things that had happened to me. But I thought I was completely mad. And, of course, uh, everyone told me I was mad. And my parents, uh, when I confronted them with this, they disappeared. I didn't see them again for the rest of my life and 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 uh um so that 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 was the stimulus was the absolute need that i had to remember and you might be feeling something like that now you absolutely have to remember because your life depends on it basically but you know that there's something there that that has you very very blocked and for a good reason because it's going to be traumatic and awful so it all depends if if you're motivated enough to do it you can do it it's just slow slow process um i think that psychologists are getting a little better at dealing with this kind of thing but um there isn't much out there to help so
8: maybe i'll, I'll start with your books i think start, i'll start, start with, with your the books.
5: books and then contact me if 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 that okay if it resonates you know with with uh in sparky surviving sex magic i tried to really just I didn't talk to anyone else. I like sort of locked myself off for, for a couple of years and, and just focused every ounce of my energy on, on remembering. And of course it sounds like parts of it sound like a drugged out haze because it was, you know um, I was on drugs a lot of the time. And uh, so the memories are unclear and things are smudgy, but I, I tried to stay true to it and then it starts making actually starts making sense. And, and, Oh, I would advise, go look at the uh, records of the Church Commission. That was uh, uh, Senator Frank Church held hearings in 1976, and 1977, and exposed the whole MK Ultra programs. And at that time, there were 185 different institutions doing these programs on children. That's huge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's enormous. That's thousands of people involved. Yeah, it's we're all it's, about it's naive, naive to think
4: that it was a, you know, a small number of people that were affected, you know, I mean, like people, uh, you know, undoubtedly thousands, if not tens of thousands, and, you know, probably to varying degrees, you know, but I mean, there were so many experiments and so many institutions and not only here in America, but I mean, you know, Canada, I'm certain uh, Canada. other oh, nations absolutely. as well.
5: McGill. Yeah, McGill and British Columbia, University of British Columbia, Mm-hmm.
8: Yeah, so, so yeah, thank thank you, thank you very much, Zach. Th- Thanks for sure. having guests like this. Thank you, Doctor Doctor Ringel, and uh, greatly appreciated. And and I DM'd you, uh, Zach. I DM'd you like a the Epoch Times article of my J six encounter. Okay, uh, on what platform? On this one, on this one, and and oh. it, it just just in case you do have another show where you do like a J six dig, yeah, I would love to be included. Absolutely love it.
4: I actually I don't see anything
8: here on the Zoom call. Um No, so. I did it in the in the in the Foxo, I'm sorry, in the Foxel. Oh on Foxo, Foxo, Foxo. Okay. Yeah.
4: Right on man. What's your what's your uh your screen name on Foxel? The Maddest Hatter. Maddest Tatter. Okay, sweet. I'll check it out. And then, um, uh, and congrats on four and a half years, man. You know, I'm gonna have five years in January. So,
8: you know, I'll have five years in January, Zach. Right on, Jan- man. What day? January, <laughs> January twenty second, twenty first. Oh, nice, nice. I was, I had just gotten out of jail on the twenty first. Oh man, so I, I got I did... out of jail. <laughs> That's so
4: funny. We'll, we'll tell, we'll, we'll tell each other our stories in the foxhole. Uh, private chat but that is so cool i'm really glad that you called in tonight and uh definitely we'll stay in touch we'll 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 see what's going on and definitely uh, uh if there's anything i can do to help you then i'd like to
5: and you aren't a crazy
8: person thank no, you very much for all. having me zach and, and if you live in the sook 62nd district district of florida support jeremy brown for uh September. oh yeah absolutely yeah all right
4: brother we'll talk to you soon man thanks again All right. That was a great way to start the calls out tonight. Good stuff. Uh, Also, everyone, I just shared uh, the link to my Rumble channel with my first interview with Juliet. Uh, I put that on all of the platforms. So if you didn't get a chance to check that one out or maybe you want to watch it again after we're done here tonight, I would encourage you to do so because it's a great interview. And uh, let's go ahead and bring in our next caller. We've got Colin and... uh, yeah! Wow! What a uh, what what an interesting thing! Something just told me that it was going to be very close to that date.
9: Oh, so Colin, what's going on, man? How you doing? Sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> the weather turned here, and I must be related to bears or something because I feel like I was like okay, time to hibernate.
6: <gasps> you know. <sure. laughs> well, it is
9: late. It's getting late. Oh my god. So I just wanted to say, first of all, Zach, I wanted to say thank you. Thank you. I was so pleased. I was running around doing the abundance, which is, you know, shaking your booty. Get it? The abundance. <laughs> when you were talking, uh, when you uh, were saying, and I really love the way you said that I had a vision. I thought that was interesting how you, you saw that. And the way you presented it was so perfect when you said uh, positions of public trust. I'm like, yes, he's, yes, his position <laughs> matters. That's right. Um, And and Dr. Engel, I'd just like to say thank you, thank you, thank you. I really, really appreciate what you have done, what you are doing, and uh, just really admire your courage to deal with your own stuff. And then, as I'm sure you know, some of the best therapy is when you help others. (laughs) So I I really, really appreciate that. And to the gentleman that was just on here, and to you, and to anyone else, I want to say this because – Somebody said it to me, um, and I'm telling you, it just immediately had tears come out. You might find somebody who's closer to you. I don't know. But there's something about when somebody looks you dead in the eye and says the following words. It's not your fault. It is not your fault. It is not your fault. And this is so, so, so powerful because the first thing that they do in this programming is to make you blame yourself. Mm -hmm. And when you blame yourself, you begin to become like a turtle who needs a turtle shell. And you begin to use the tools that they've given you to hide yourself. When you realize that it's not your fault, you're just a child. Then the blame is no longer on you and you release yourself. And this is why Christ is so important in our lives because um, it's not just that we are forgiven by God, but it's we allow ourselves to be forgiven. You know, when we realize that blood was shed and we go, we realize it's not our fault and we're forgiven for whatever we participated, that combination is absolutely huge. And that God loves us so much that he did sacrifice his only begotten son for us. Now, I just discovered today that God's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So now I understand why all these years when people kept calling me crazy, I kept saying thank you. And they really looked at me like I was really weird. Now I understand why. Because I'm God's child. And if God is crazy and I'm crazy, then that means we're pretty close together. (laughs) So I just wanted to share that little ditty with you. Um, and also, so far as the Pentagon goes, yeah, you can, in fact, uh, to get to, uh, Alexandria, I believe it is, you literally go right through the parking lot. So it's, it's nothing unusual. And, uh, I, and also right at the edge of the parking lot, there's, um, you get dropped off. There's buses there and so on. So that's not particularly unusual. Um, okay. just to share that. The other, one other thing I wanted to share is, TVs when they went digital. Remember, I, I shared with you, Zach, that um I had a brand new flat screen TV. Although that was still a cathode ray too but they had the front of it was flat. Yeah, yeah, I remember and those. I, and and I just and I had put it up on the shelf in my living room, so I wouldn't have to break my neck looking down. And it was fantastic. I had it for about two months, and it was right after um God revealed to me about the World Trade Centers, which was two and a half years before it happened, uh, that were coming down. Um, and uh, God told me to throw away the TV. I was like, what? You know, because I never buy anything (laughs) new and I bought that new. So I didn't exactly throw it away. I took it in the backyard, took a sledgehammer to it. At least I had something out of it. And
4: did you save the Fresno lens? Did Did you save the screen, the Fresno lens? You can do a lot oh, no, of cool I, experiments I, with the
9: Fresnel lens. <laughs> no, I, mean, no, I, I just said I got I've got to do something, and I, I was like, "Well, if I'm going to get two hundred some dollars, I must get a good sledgehammer." <laughs> but what I wanted to share with you is because I was in the military in electronics, and um, what I wanted to share with you is when it went digital. There's a reason. With the analog, they can go maybe three layers deep in um, what's called subliminal uh, conditioning. When you have digital you can go 7 to 10 to 15 even as as 15 layers and then when you have um fiber optics it's almost unlimited it's just so in other words you you literally when i say you have to get rid of it you literally have to get rid of it um the digital stuff is it there's too many layers in the subliminal um i'm not sure if they're doing it on the internet i'm pretty sure that they've they they're beginning to get close to it now where they're able to actually use the internet to do the same thing. So the less you look at your screen, the less you look at your phone, um, the better, unfortunately, that I believe we're going to be because if you've been conditioned to begin with, it can be triggered with just a few little, with a few little things that you will never even see. It's so fast you won't even see it. So just be aware of those things. And then, of course, the last thing I'll do, my my one little plug again, is that I believe that most of these problems will be solved. With a thing called continued competency training, which is really testing, which is very simple. Anyone making application to any position of public trust. Now, I just did a two and a half hour training uh, for people in Florida. It was a wonderful group of people. And I went through the cracking of the eggshell. The, the host there was fantastic. He says, you know, I've watched that video five times, your video, you know, when I did the interview. Yeah, with you." yeah. And he says, yeah, and he says, every time, he says, "It's I pick up more, I pick up more. You have to repeat, repeat, because you have to be unconditioned. So um, I wanted to mention that if people you were talking about, you're absolutely right when it has to be at the fundamental level. The way God showed it to me is that it's a pyramid. And I was talking about the capstone. Well, right now, it's an upside-down pyramid. The ones that, you know, one or two are running the whole show. But when we, when the base of a pyramid, all of the people are together, every stone above that pyramid is going to move too, when mm-hmm. the base moves. So when we have the local communities that pass, you know, where do senators and congressmen come from? They come from the local places in the states. So when we pass legislation that requires them to be tested before they can even get into a position of public trust, that right there, God has shown me will remove the evil and the corrupt right, right, right there. So I just want to share that and, and invite you to, to check out my site. Uh, we're still, we're rearranging it, hopefully a little bit better. It's called cracking the eggshell of conditioning.com. And the eggshell of course is your head. <laughs> so I just really, I really admire you. And I really, really want to say thank you. And um, and I, I'm so glad that, you know, you, you bring forth the truth about so many things and so you know, which which I know are true, but when you hear somebody as steady as you are, that you because you've been to Russia, you know what's going on over there. And it's very important because I live in an area that's, um, it's so blue, they don't even know who's president. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Seattle? Yeah.
5: Tell me it's Seattle.
9: <laughs> I'm actually right outside of D.C. Yeah, I'm <laughs> on Maryland.
8: Yeah, Maryland.
9: So, right in the belly of the beast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm like 20 minutes away from that, from the, uh, I call it the giant cow patty, you know. And uh, the the suburbs are the flies feeding on the cow patty, so that's my Oh, dear. So, blessings and blessings.
5: Thank you. I'd like, uh, Zach, are you going to put his contact up on Uh, your side?
9: Yeah, I just take it
4: for granted that everybody knows it, but it's, uh, I will will send it to you directly, Juliet. Oh, Uh, thank
6: you.
9: Yeah, yeah. And you can okay. give her my you can give him my direct contact to Zach. Got um it. um I, I've got the proton. It's proton.me. It's not proton mail. It's proton.me. So it's uh continue counseling training at proton.me. And to the gentleman, um also um I'm still finishing up and I, I could use there's a piece missing of the document, which is it's um basically a boilerplate for people to use. Um, what I've done is I've structured so that anybody you send it to becomes liable. If they fail to take action, um, yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty. Let's put it this way: I got so good at my craft, I boxed in a court in Maryland, and uh, the only way that they could uh, take care of the problem was to send two SWAT teams to take care of the problem. <laughs> so, yeah, as we say, over the target, you know. <laughs> so, um, but what it is is it's called. A, I called a um, a notary process, which is where you notice them under 18 USC four, um, United States Code four. Anyone having knowledge of a crime cognizable of a court of the United States and fails to make known to some judge or other officer of the United States or military at the earliest opportunity may be fined or imprisoned up to three years or both. So what I do is I turn it around and I say, so that I will not be charged under 18 U.S.C. 4, I am hereby making known to you of crimes that are of according to the United States. If you fail to do something about it under uh, 42, 1985 and 86, you now will be going to jail yourself. <laughs> so I give them that notice and give them the notice. Um, and also, uh, so, so that's basically how I laid it out. What's missing is some of the details of, of, what of the crimes that were committed um, such as the harassment 18 usc 241 and this is useful for you too if two or more persons conspire to injure mm-hmm. oppress threaten or intimidate so clearly sexual trafficking would yes. would, would be there uh, any inhabitant in any state territory coming off the district in the free exercise or the enjoyment of any right or privilege secured by the Constitution shall be fined or imprisoned up to 10 years or both. Now, it goes on. If sexual assault or if death occurs, they may be put into jail for any amount of time or they may be put to death. So we have the laws in place. People just need to learn how to use them. And I don't know if you know this, but if you make known uh, of crimes, calls of the court to the um, judicial officers, The prosecutors, the ones are supposed to prosecute and they fail to do it. Did you know that you can prosecute as a private attorney general under the Constitution?
5: I'm in Maryland, too, so I'd like to meet
9: with you. Absolutely. That would be so cool. Yes. Let me give you uh, Zach. Can you give her my phone number? I actually sent her over your email and your phone number already.
5: Great. You'll hear from me.
9: Yeah. Wonderful. Blessings. All right. Looking forward to seeing what you guys do. Yes, and yeah. if that if that gentleman would like to contact me, I'd like to get some of the information so I can get this. Um, it's it's basically something that everyone can use, and you send it to everybody you want to. So that would be wonderful.
4: Awesome. Good luck, man. I uh, I look forward to seeing what you guys put together, and that's really awesome. Uh, <laughs> That'll be great. Get to meet up in person. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, that's
5: cool. that's the kind of. The whole idea, the, the concept of having an angel coalition, it's not based on top-down government grant money where they're telling you what to do. It's what we come up with. And uh, there's there's a lot of great ideas out there and people doing things. Absolutely, yeah. Just have to teach people how to use each other's resources. Yes. yes not reinvent yes. them, but...
9: And then its amazing they're there for it. You know, it's funny you talk about conditioning. What's the first thing that happens to a kid when they get a driver's license? They get a ticket. So the first thing they—the first subliminal teaching is that laws are there to hurt you and to harm you. So it's the last thing you get. I mean, I spent five years listening to idiots and studying all their stuff, and then finally I said, okay, I've had enough of this. I've got to read the law for myself. And once I did, I was like, oh my god, it's right there. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall exist in the United States or territory subject to this jurisdiction. You know, that's, that's the uh, 13th Amendment. Then the 14th, you No, know, state shall. I mean, it's amazing. The laws are written by the people through their legislatures and in order to provide us with these protections that we're supposed to, because government, the ones in government are the ones that are supposed to be governed, not yes, the people. Right. We're their boss. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so wonderful talking to you.
4: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you yes. so much for calling, Colin. Calling,
9: Colin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jack, and blessings and brother. Let me, let me tell you, you, you're just you're such a blessing on so many levels. I mean, you're the one who, as far as I'm concerned, I hunted and hunted when they got kicked you off of uh, off of a boob tube, yeah. and I hunted and hunted and finally found you. <laughs> And because you mean, I mean, you you really affect people's lives. I think yeah. you're, you've been blessed to do that. That's your calling and you do an amazing job. I still haven't done my own show because I know it's involved in it and you just, you really do it. You make it look easy and uh, you really bless everybody. So I just want you to know that you really are appreciated on so many levels.
4: Well, that means a lot, man. I really, really, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait until you guys see what I got loading up for uh, the future. Very soon, I'm going to have some more announcements to make. So (laughs) hopefully I'll be able to continue that. (laughs) All right, man. Thanks thanks a lot, Colin. We'll talk to you soon, man. Peace. Have a great night. Okay, well, that's so awesome. That's really great. Uh, Hang on, let me see. Got a couple more thank yous. Uh, A boneless chicken. Thank you again. Uh, God First We The People says, thank you for all you do. And I thought I saw something else coming up here, and I'm not seeing it now. So that's not a problem. But um, we, uh, yeah, nothing else there. Nothing else. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I, I was looking in the wrong spot. There is one more spot that I have to look. Let me see. Um... Okay, uh S18 in Texas lady said thanks for having so many different people interviewed we can all learn so much and Elizabeth says I cannot see the evil currently in power allowing the midterms to happen. What are your thoughts? Um oh I think she actually sent that yesterday. Personally, you know Juliet, this is a big uh, a big fear that a lot of people have. You know, if our election system is so compromised and Uh, If, uh, you know, if the deep state was able to steal the election from President Trump in 2020, then, you know, why would they even allow elections to happen here in 2022 when it looks like we're about to retake uh, both the House and the Senate, you know. And uh, I would go back to uh, your statement earlier uh, saying that you believe we're in a state of devolution. Um, You know, I think that, uh, uh, you know, if that is the case, then there's no way that the deep state is going to be able to steal All of the elections in every single state, but even more than that, it's a very different breed of election um, when we're having these midterms because it's not just like one massive federal election. They needed to steal one election in, you know, really only five uh, or six states, you know, Um, they didn't do it in every single state. Uh, And so there's no way that they can stop us truly at the end of the day from from taking back power from so many different people. We have a lot more registered voters now, a lot more registered Republicans, to be more specific, uh, and we have way more people who have left the Democrat Party because of the horrific job that uh, the Biden regime ha- has been able to, you know, pull off in in this short two year time span. So I'm not worried about it. How about you?
5: Oh, uh, everybody should look at the state of Virginia. That was a slam dunk blue state election.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, Terry, what's his name?
4: McAuliffe.
5: McAuliffe, right. Yep. He was so sure that he was going to be elected that he was spouting all these negative policies and not backing parents against school boards and all this. They were just, they thought it was in the bag. And the state just organized itself and it went from having 800 Republican poll workers to having over 20,000 Republican. Wow volunteer poll workers they were all over that election nobody yeah. got away with anything and uh, they tried to extend they they tried to stop the voting and extend it out and the poll workers said no and and uh, the, the citizens took control of that election and it was a slam dunk red wave all the way See? so yeah. there it is due that's to exactly Virginia
4: that's exactly what I think is going to happen here. And, you, you know, for all of you who have been watching the show for a long time, I'm also expecting that a vast number of you have also already signed up to to uh, to work at your local yeah. polls. Or maybe you're, you're also... It's,
5: yeah. it's really fun.
4: Yeah, it's, it, it's easy, you know, <laughs> I mean, like, it's not that big of a commitment. You got one day, you can go okay. ahead and spend a couple hours. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, going to the election, working in the election... That's so vital. I mean, I think in 2020 we were complacent. I don't think that anywhere near as many of us were there working at these elections. You know, I think a lot of people were just like, oh, you know, they already have people, but those were all Democrats. The Democrats have understood for decades that if you can control the election, then you can control the outcome of the election. And so we have to be in that position now. We have to be the ones that are actually working at the polls. And we have more people that are uh, uh, precinct committee men. Let me say this, because every time I mention it, uh, somebody sends me an email and says, but you didn't tell them about the website, precinctstrategy.com. I also got a Text message from uh, Dan Schultz earlier today, Uh, and uh, there are more of you out there who can become precinct committeemen. There are positions that are open. Over half the positions are still open all over the nation. Uh, So if you haven't looked into it yet, how to become a precinct committeeman, you can get all of the information for your state by going to precinctstrategy.com. Also, I've mentioned this before, and it's going to come up again in the next couple of weeks, but you should go to the App Store on your phone and download Votify now. My friend Johnny V developed this application. It allows you to report incidents that you see at your local polling places if you see somebody rolling in with a whole bunch of bags or boxes of votes after the polls have closed. If you see people stuffing a ballot box that's out on a street corner, if you see people uh, engaging in voter intimidation or bringing in busloads of illegals that they're then going to cast ballots, you can report all of it there on the application, and then it goes to a centralized group of individuals that sort through that information and then get in contact with local law enforcement. Uh, There is local law enforcement that's involved in it. Johnny is going to be here on Thursday. Uh, He's going to be co-hosting. Occam's Razor with me, and we're going to talk about it then. But then he's coming back the night before uh, uh, the election or that that weekend before the election. It's going to be Saturday, November 5th, and he's going to be here for a full two hours and we can talk about it. Um, Juliet, uh, we're rounding it out, getting to the end of the program here. Um, but, uh, since you have come out and been public about being an MK ultra, uh, survivor, uh, have you had any, uh, interactions, any other interactions with people that were trained at a high level, uh, in the same way, like perhaps people who didn't want to talk about this, people of a high stature that have now said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and start kind of exploring
5: this. Yeah. And it's surprising how many of those I've had and, and, uh, you know they're sort of waiting to see what happens to me, but I've already been through the ringer. I've had I've had uh, my organization attacked. I've been you know demonetized. I've been I mean, sort of like you mm-hmm. <laughs> going through all the stuff you went through. So they've already done it to me. Uh, but people that are in positions have to weigh whether they want to go through that because they will get they will get put through the ringer yeah there are quite a few and their their names that that you know everybody would know so see that's the holy
4: grail to me is to yeah. see someone at like you know in a in a high level elected position or somebody who is in a leadership at at, uh, at a corporation or something like that you know coming forward and saying, Hey, you know this happened to me i mean it think about the legitimacy that it would give it and and the And the the conversation that would develop in America if people were like, oh my gosh, you know, I mean, I can't believe that, you know, somebody with so much to lose is willing to come forward. And I realize that's part of it. It's kind of back to the uh, conversation we were having at the beginning of the show with doctors that are pushing the jab. I mean – yeah, you got a couple hundred thousand dollars in uh, student loans. And, you know, I mean, uh, hospital systems are connected. They're definitely going to talk to each other. If you come out against the jab, uh, then there's a possibility you might not be able to work in your field. And then what are you going to yeah. do? You're going to lose your and house, actually, your
5: family, all that stuff. I should say a lot of doctors did refuse to do yeah. it. And, and uh, they have been ostracized and they are forming alternative groups. And one of the things that that I've been involved with is this uh, p m a creating private membership associations, uh-huh. which was what we're going to do with the angel coalition but there a lot of doctors are doing that, so I mean they won't be able to be covered by insurance companies and they won't get all the the drug company perks, but that will also lower dramatically lower the cost of medicine i mean it'll go way down so if people come in and pay fee for service, you'll pay a hundred dollars for Uh, a visit and the hydroxychloroquine or whatever Mm -hmm. it is you need and that'll be it you know not thousands of dollars every year for insurance so um you know alternatives are going on there are lots of good good people out there and good doctors trying hard there's the frontline doctors and i guess simone gold is out of jail now
4: freshly released yes oh
5: how terrible just terrible but her her associate is getting the the book thrown at him Uh for just for just helping her set up her podium and make her in speech that she was invited to make there Uh in the in the uh, capital and there's uh several other organizations that are medical associations that are forming and the outgrowth of that is that they may explore more natural remedies which have been suppressed because the rockefellers took over the drug industry and made everything petroleum based Uh which is not Good for the human body. No. So um, things are things are changing.
4: Um, that's uh, the idea of a private medical association. I mean, that's something that I've been. Trying to identify if there's something in my area because yeah. you know I mean, I talk to so many doctors you know that are in that segment, you know I mean doctors that are awake and and they're involved in things like that, I know that there oh, is like something Brian
5: artists. yeah like
4: Brian artist, yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, you know, I mean so many different doctors and you know medical doctors, doctors of chiropractic i mean it's across the board, but you know they're all in different states or they're in different parts of Florida, I know there's something up near Jacksonville, but You know, it would be great if I had a doctor that was in my hometown or at least within, you know, a 20-minute drive. I, you know, I'm one of those people that's paying thousands and thousands of dollars a year because I'm self-employed. And, you know, nobody takes my insurance here in the area. Like, I would have to drive an hour or more away. And, you know, that's not something that I found out until after I had already, like, signed on and I got to wait till. The end of the year now i'm almost there but you know i mean i would be willing to pay a couple of hundred dollars a month just for the uh the uh, you know the ability to go into an office and then maybe just pay a little bit more out of pocket to have a doctor that's available because i don't have anybody i can even go to
5: yeah i think that's coming and and i hear more and more about it every day as, as doctors are figuring out how to do this and set up practices yeah. that are but it, it'll it just it takes time to do it when you consider this all this has all happened in the last two years. You say what has happened in the last two years? Well, it's phenomenal. It's happened mm-hmm. in the last two years. Yeah, I mean, nobody was even thinking about this two years ago because no. we hadn't been through the COVID genocide.
4: I'm still waiting to see the uh, the full extent of the fallout from people having taken the jab. You know, I don't know if you've heard this, but uh, uh, what is it, Doc? Honey, what is it, Doctor John Campbell? He's on YouTube still, but. He's a British guy who was covering COVID like, you know, very early on and kind of, you know, from a doctor's perspective, he was completely wrapped up in the hoopla at the very beginning. And then even, you know, the idea of a vaccine, once it started rolling around, he eventually decided not to take the vaccine. And now when he's talking about this stuff, his attitude is completely changed. Like he was showing some figures from across Europe, like excess deaths are up. Six? What is it? 16%, uh, almost 20%. And they're not COVID related. So it's not people with, you know, respiratory issues. I mean, these are, these, I mean, it's from people taking the jab, you know, and I mean, like, we're only just basically in the first, you know, yeah, you know, uh, going into the second year, uh, since it's been introduced, you know, what's going to happen, you know, three years out, four years out, five years out. I mean, I'm waiting for that kind of waterfall of uh, of deaths to happen so that people are just like, you know, whoa, this is crazy.
5: Yeah. And then it's too late for them to do anything about right.
4: it. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
5: And all the people that I fought with and tried to keep them from getting the jab, they get the jab, they get sick. Mm-hmm. They die. You can't say I told you so. No,
4: no, no, there's no glee here. You know, there's I don't want to be right.
5: There's nothing good about any of it. No, but we've got a plan for it because it is going to happen.
4: Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, who was a Dr. Sherry Tenpenny? And I mean, she had she was very bleak about it. I mean, you know, she I I think that not as many people have passed as she thought were going to. But I mean, you know, I guess she might have been thinking about that like five or 10 year uh, uh, marker there. But, you know, I mean, 20 percent deaths, uh, excess deaths within just a year and a half. That is. Yeah, that's
5: especially they're young. You know, yes, that's the the really
4: scary part. Yeah,
5: the child deaths, I think. That Dr. Campbell was saying the child deaths are up like six hundred percent. You know, mm-hmm. it's horrible statistics.
4: Yeah, yeah. We'll and all uh, be affected. What uh, What uh, Dr. Campbell was also talking about is that you know, I mean they they give like the cause of death. You know, like say they you know cardiovascular disease. It's like I was saying at the beginning of the show. You know, it's cardiovascular disease. They had a heart attack, but I mean, there's uh-huh. no discussion of you know what the underlying reasoning for that cause of death was you know i mean clearly in a lot of people's cases it's it's because of the jab you know i mean it's just not normal for a a 30 year old person to to have heart attacks i mean it 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 astounds me the way people just in like the normie circles of uh, of america have convinced themselves that there's something normal about that you know i mean like i'm 44 years old In my lifetime, if I ever heard of somebody like under 60 having a heart attack, you know, I mean, like it was kind of shocking, you know, I mean, certainly high school kids, you know, I mean, people out on the soccer field you know, at at lunchtime. I mean, they're they're having heart attacks and and people are just like, oh, you know, that's totally normal nowadays. And I just I'm I'm it's if if anything, it's a testament to the brainwashing capabilities that they have, you know, and I mean, I've often thought that. What they developed uh, through MK Ultra, uh, they have kind of you know gradually rolled out in uh, you know to varying degrees of success, like in just in the general population.
5: Well, what Colin was talking about the the power of subliminal advertising, mm-hmm. which goes down fifteen layers. I cannot listen to television at all. Yeah,
4: yeah, we this we don't we don't have it. We don't watch it.
5: <laughs> I and especially ads. You yeah. know, I start hearing all these levels like chatter and it's probably because i was out of the country for 20 years so i Mm -hmm. i didn't hear it and and uh i think that the hypnosis of the population is coming through those subliminal messaging because otherwise you just can't explain it
4: right yeah so can you can you explain to us the difference currently because you had kind of hinted at it earlier but the differences between the medical system in russia and the united states i mean are, are there like massive differences? Uh, I mean, I would imagine maybe like with treatments or something like that. Somebody at the moment of truth was telling me about these cancer treatments that are available in um, in China. Like where they it sounded like it was like focused, like radio wave therapy that they can just like melt a tumor and cure people from cancer. I mean, do they have things like that in Russia?
5: Oh, absolutely. When the the medical system was in when they basically didn't have a a scientific based medical system for all the years, Uh, traditional medicine became the, the, what everybody used. So um, like in my book, I talk about when I had a cancer in my sinus that was supposed to kill me when I was 40 and I had massive surgery. It was, it nearly killed me and Mm -hmm. it came back and they were going to do it again. And, and uh, I was so sure I was going to die that instead I went to Siberia. Actually, I went to Crimea and, and um, went to a healing center there and, and had all the, I figured I was a dead person anyway, so let's try it. Mm-hmm. And, and they did the, the energy work, and I came back um, a month later, and the tumor was gone. And uh, all my medical colleagues saw this, they saw the documentation because it's seen the CT scans before. And then I came back and it's gone and nobody would even talk to me about it. It was like, it was so far out of the reality of Western medicine that I, I would have thought, gosh, don't you want to know what they did? Yeah, how I would worked, be all they're... over that. <laughs> yeah, you would think so. But no, no. So I sort of had to let it, let it go. But yeah, there's there's all kinds of, of uh, alternatives. Like now they're, the they work with, B17, which is laetril, you know, mm-hmm. apricot pits, and and ivermectin as an anti-cancer agent and all these cheap, easy treatments that, that we could be using and we're not. And um, that's all going to change because when you have a PMA, then it's not, your practice isn't determined by who's going to pay the insurance, you know. If, and they're not, not
4: trying to load up as many things as possible to uh, to milk the insurance, I would imagine.
5: Right, right. Uh, the whole insurance thing is just such a total scam. That's also a lot of money laundering going on there.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Like with Medicare, you you never even know what you're being charged. Right. So I saw a bill by accident once, and it was phenomenal. It was thousands and thousands of dollars. And this just goes directly to Medicare. Mm-hmm. And uh, sort of like the the pass-through from IOM when we had all those employees we didn't know we had. I was buying all kinds of things I didn't know I was buying. But as a consumer, you can't, like, go and complain about it. You just wind up on hold for 75 years. You know? yep. So oh. PMAs would solve that.
4: Well, I, I'm hoping that I can get in touch with somebody and figure something out here. That would be the, the best stay thing. Stay healthy
5: until you get one. Yeah,
4: yeah. You know, that's the thing. I'm getting older. You know, I mean, I, I don't <laughs> know how much longer I can afford to not go to the doctor. I got to <laughs> figure something out. Uh, Okay, so let me say thank you also here to uh, God First We The People says uh, thank you for all you do. Kansas Mudcat. Thank you for the cookie and another cookie. And then also thank you to Sean Joe for the cookie as well. I did see a bit of good news earlier as I was getting ready for the show, Juliet. Uh, I believe Kevin McCarthy said that if we do retake the House and the Senate, that the first line of business is going to be the reversal of the hiring of 87,000 IRS agents. Uh, That's a good news. okay? that's That's but it's, it's a start. You know, I mean, I think that you know, uh, you, taking a look at the amount of bloat and waste and and uh, uh, and money laundering that goes on. Money in, yes, yeah. in the federal government. I mean, there is. One of the reasons that it's possible – and, I mean, I, I when I was younger, I remember hearing about uh, uh, waste in the medical contractors, you know, in the military-industrial complex. You know, that's just one segment. Medicare is another segment. I mean, think yeah, about huge. how many different avenues they have inside the federal government to just siphon as much money out as they possibly can. And who the hell knows where it's going? You know, I mean, it's it's like every pocket along the way is getting lined and it's coming out of our pockets. Uh, And uh, the only way that we can fix that is to strip down the size of the federal government. I mean, take away all of those layers, take away the ability for people to to steal all of that money and to, to rob the American people. And then maybe we can get something else in its place. All right. Well, we're at the end of the show, guys. Uh, Juliet, I always like to ask my guests, what do you really want the audience to take away from our conversation tonight?
5: To realize, first of all, uh, take Colin's advice and trash your television. (laughs) Get rid of it. Don't listen to another commercial because you're actually hearing probably 15 messages at once that go into your brain that you aren't even aware of. So get rid of your televisions and realize how powerful you are and that the human soul is the most powerful force on the planet and keep your soul connect with people soul to soul you don't, you will instinctively know what to do to build your communities and for the election look at what virginia did virginia didn't think it had a prayer you know uh, it 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 had the corrupt machine you know it's right outside the pentagon and just south of washington dc and everybody thought Uh, No, you can't beat the system in in Virginia,
4: but Virginia did. All Um, right. Good advice. (laughs) Excellent points. (laughs) I appreciate it. Uh, Also, Sloan TV, good to see you, buddy, uh, says, great show. Appreciate that. Let me pass out the gold pills. Thank you to everybody for hanging out with us tonight. Don't forget, if you're on Foxhole, you can now click uh, the red pill underneath the show. I think uh, they were supposed to have activated that, but uh, I actually don't see it specifically, but I'm told that it's there or it's at least going to be there very soon. You can also play games under the uh, under the videos now and uh, you can also uh, throw a red pill or a blue pill on the comments of the people there in the chat. So uh, if you want to show them that you liked what they said. Uh if you're on Rumble, make sure you hit that plus sign. It's totally free. And then also if you're on Getter, you can tap the screen and it'll give hearts and stuff. Uh so I want to say thank you one more time to uh Dr. Juliet Engel for coming here and hanging out with us, you guys. Make sure you follow her over on Gab. Do you have a truth social?
5: I do. Yes.
4: Okay. 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 Or, or is it XOX is it XOXlova? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember if I followed you or not, so that's why I'm, I'm hesitant. Yeah, to, yeah, you
5: better. <laughs> but, I, I just I just signed up for it. I just did it. Okay. I don't know what it is, but I will be I will be speaking at the Red Pill Expo conference in November in Salt Lake City in Utah. Okay. So a lot of these people that uh, we've been talking about, and will we'll also be there as speakers. So I recommend check out the the Red Pill Expo in Utah. It's November 10th and 11th um, in Salt Lake City.
4: Is that, can people buy tickets for that through your website yes. or, okay.
5: No, 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 you have to go to the redpillexpo.org.
4: Redpillexpo.org. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. The Red yeah, Pill Expo is, is always stuff. great. There's uh, always tons of good people there. So, all right. Yeah, well, it's put
5: together by uh, Edward Griffin, who wrote The Creature from Jekyll Island.
4: That's right. I can't, I, you know, I, I've always wanted to interview him and- oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that would that would be great. I better better get get one in there. You know, I mean, he's uh, he's a busy man. Uh, he's
5: ninety. So you I know better... that's what
4: I'm saying. You know, I mean, <laughs> he's uh, he's he's still sharp, still sharpest attack, and he's yes, ninety he years old. It's pretty incredible. All right. Well, thank you once more, Juliet, for being here tonight. Thank you to everybody out there for hanging out with us. Uh, if you have not yet, then please consider sharing the show after we're done. Napkinator 79, thank you very much for dropping that ship in there as well. I really appreciate the support. Appreciate the support from all of you who do uh, drop little uh, tips here and there. Uh, If you are a supporter on the website or through Substack or through any of the platforms, just know that you have my eternal thanks and gratitude. And uh, tomorrow at 9 p.m., I will be back with, let me see, who is the guest tomorrow? With Tina Peters, Tina Peters oh, uh, cool. from uh, from Colorado. So we're going to check in with her, uh, get her entire story, and see how her current case is going. Because the state of Colorado is using lawfare tactics to try and silence her, and we can't let that happen. So, Mm-mm. thanks again, Juliet. Thank you, to everybody out there in the audience. And uh, until tomorrow, good luck and God bless.
5: Good night. Ooh.